This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Outer space, definitely in the news these days. Hmm, what with Elon Musk firing off missile after missile. And I'm sure it must have been unimaginable back in the 40s and 50s to listeners of radio, certainly, that the stories they were hearing uh, would be stories that really came true. Did life ever arise on Mars? Hmm? Well, for years, NASA's Mars Exploration Program has been systematically trying to find out. The agency's Spirit and Opportunity rovers showed that liquid water once existed on the surface, and building on that discovery, the Curiosity rover found that conditions on Mars four billion years ago were benign for life as we know it. Now, Perseverance will directly search for signs of past life. Perseverance launched from Earth in July of 2020. On this uh, February 18th of 2021, it will land in the Jezero Crater, the site of an ancient lake and River Delta. There, the rover will study rocks that formed in Mars' warm and wet past for signs of ancient microbial life. Perseverance will also collect soil and rock samples and leave them on the surface for collection by a future Earth return mission. Not since 1976 has NASA directly searched for life on Mars. Well, when the uh, dual Viking uh, landers performed long-shot chemistry experiments that turned up rather inconclusive results. Perseverance will look for microscopic fossilized cells as well as carbon-containing molecules called organics that form the building blocks of all living things on Earth. What an exciting time being a scientist, I would expect. Not that I'm qualified at all. So let's go back in time to 1955 and listen to a very popular sci-fi program, X-1, and the episode entitled Knock. Countdown for blastoff. X-5, minus 4, minus 3, minus 2, X-1, minus fire! From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand would-be worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X minus one. Tonight, the science fiction classic, Knock, by Frederick Brown. Tonight, we have a strange story to tell. 
A sweet, blood-curdling little story that is really only two sentences long. The last man on earth sat alone in a room. There was a knock at the door. Hmm? What's that? Good morning, man. What? Who are you? You have regained consciousness. Who are you? I am Zan. I'm still asleep, I must be. You are not asleep. Maybe if I close my eyes, it'll go away. I will not go away, man. Oh, I guess I'm awake. Who... What are you? I am a Zan. What's that? A Zan is intelligent life. Look, I don't... What happened? Where are you from? From planet seven in the third galaxy in the fourth quadrant. Where? It is not necessary to repeat information which is correct in the original statement. Planet seven, but... You mean I'm not on Earth? You are still on your planet. Then what are you doing here? The Zans have annexed your world. You mean you've conquered Earth? Yes, that is correct. We will now prepare your planet for habitation by the Zan. How about the people? What about the population of the world? You are the population of the world. Hmm? Now, wait a minute. I, I can't... I don't understand what's happened. The Zan have landed on your planet. We have removed the lower life forms to prepare for colonization by the Zan. When did all this happen? Two days ago. You have been unconscious until now. You really mean I'm the last man on Earth? That is correct. Identify yourself now. What? Kindly provide data as to your position in the elementary social order of your planet. Oh, I'm uh, Walter Phelan, Associate Professor of Anthropology at Nathan University. How do you speak English? We have deciphered your written and recorded records. It is not difficult to reconstruct your language. It is a primary type of auditory communication. Oh. Mm. Is there anything you want to complete your natural habitat? You mean I'm a prisoner? That is correct. What will you want further in your room? Do I have to stay here? Yes. The rest of my life? Forever. You better bring me my books. Uh, that will be done. That's rather considerate of you. You know, I've got to call you something. Do you mind if I call you George? It is immaterial. I will be back, Associate Professor of Anthropology. Oh, that's all right, George. Just uh, call me Walter. Very well, Walter. I will be back with your books. All right, George. I'll be seeing you around. You will not be around, Walter. You will be here. George. Hello, Walter. Uh, wait a minute, you're not George. You're different somehow. It makes no difference. The Zan are many, and they are one. Then I'll call you George, too. I'll call you all, George. Uh, what can I do for you? Point one. You will please henceforth sit with your chair facing the other way. Uh-huh, I thought so, George. That plain wall is different from the other side, isn't it? That is correct. It is transparent. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm in a zoo, right? That is correct. How many other animals do you have in the zoo, George? 216. <laughs> Not complete, George. Even a Bush League zoo could beat that. Did you just uh, pick at random? Yes. All species would have been too many. Male and female, each of 108 kinds. Male and female, huh? Of uh, 
All the animals? There is a female of your species among the collection. Mm, anyone I know? Uh, well, never mind. It doesn't matter anyway. Well, uh, what do you feed us all, eh? For carnivorous species, we make synthetics. The flora was not hurt by the vibrations which destroyed animal life. Oh, nice for the flora. Well, George, you started out with point one. I deduce there is a point two kicking around somewhere. What is it? Something we do not understand. Oh? Two of the other animals sleep and do not wake. They are cold. Don't worry, George. It happens in the best regulated zoos. What is wrong with them, Walter? Nothing much. They're just dead. Dead? Mm Mm-hmm. That means stopped. But nothing stopped them. Each was alone. Well, maybe they just died of old age. Old age. I do not understand. You don't? How old are you, George? Your planet went around the sun about 7,000 times since I was born. 7,000 years? Yes, I am still young. Yeah, a babe in arms. Look, George, you've got something to learn about this planet you've hijacked. Here on Earth, we've got somebody you don't know where you come from. An old man with a beard and an hourglass and a scythe. Your vibrations didn't kill him. What is he? Oh, old man death. Down here, our people and animals live until somebody, the Grim Reaper, stops them. He will stop more? He gets us all, George. With your lifespan, it won't seem like a minute and we'll all be gone. (laughs) Looks like you made a mistake, George. And I don't think there's much you can do about it. That is not correct. The Zan is a logical being. We will take action. Well, George, uh, where are you taking me? We will be there shortly. We will bring your books and your chair. You mean my lease is up? I, I do not understand. It's moving day? That is correct. We are here now. You will live here now, Walter. It is a larger room. Well, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. Go inside. Oh, be careful with those books, George. Don't lose my... Oh, uh, excuse me. Who, who are you? What are you doing here? I guess George didn't explain. Uh, George uh, tries to be polite, but he hasn't quite caught on yet. I'm Walter Phelan. My name is Grace Evans, Mr. Phelan. What's all this about? Why did they bring me here? I think I know why, but uh, let's go back a bit. Do you know just what has happened otherwise? No, not exactly. Well, I've been talking to George. George? Well, that's what I call them, all of them. There's no way to tell them apart anyway. There aren't many of them here yet. They come from outside the solar system, sort of an advanced scouting party. I saw their spaceship. It's as big as a mountain. Yeah, they're moving in on us. They cleaned off the Earth with some kind of vibration. It destroys all sorts of animal life. I don't know whether they did it all at once or if they had to circle the Earth a few times, but they killed everybody. No. I was afraid that... The cheerful note is that you and I and uh, 200-odd other animals were picked up beforehand as specimens for the zoo. You do know this is a zoo, don't you? I suspected it. But I don't remember anything about being captured. I just woke up here. My hunch is they used the vibrations just low enough to knock us all out. And then they cruised around, picking up samples at random. When they were all set, they turned the juice on full blast. How terrible. Yeah, well, they solved a lot of problems for us. Housing shortage, wars, even the atomic bomb. I don't suppose the human race, you and I, have to worry about anything now. It's awful. Only, they made a mistake. They underestimated us. I don't understand. (laughs) They thought we were immortal. That we were what? Immortal, like they are. Oh, they can be killed, but 
The Zans don't know what natural death is. They didn't know anyway until they lost two of us yesterday. You mean there are, are more than two of us? Oh, not more of our species, no. These were merely fellow animals, a rabbit and a canary. And by the Zan's way of figuring time, the rest of us are only good for a few minutes apiece. It's a joke on them. They figured they had permanent specimens here in the zoo. Well, didn't they even know we'd all die eventually? I don't think so. Uh, George, that is the, the second Zan I saw, told me he was 7,000 years old, and he's young by their standards. When they learned how quickly we die, they, they were practically shocked to the core. If they have cores... How can you talk that way about it? Academic detachment. I learned it at faculty teas. At any rate, they've decided to reorganize their zoo. Two by two. What, are they going to keep us locked up together in this one little room? Yeah, I'm afraid so. There's plenty of furniture, though, and George promised to bring me my chair. We've got to do something. Why? Well, I don't know. It just just seems to me we owe it to the human race to do something. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, perhaps you have a suggestion? There must be some way. They can be killed, you said. Oh, yes, sir. I've been studying them. They look horribly different, but I think they have about the same metabolic and digestive system as we. I think that anything that would kill one of us would kill one of them. But you said 7,000 years. Yeah, I, I think I figured it out. Now, George cut his, uh, I suppose you'd call it his hand, when he brought in my books. Started to bleed, red blood. But I could see the cut closing as he stood there. By the time he left, it was healed. I don't understand. Well, you see... Whatever factor there is in man that makes him grow old is missing in the Zan. Their regenerative powers must be unlimited. They just don't wear out. They go on and on until they're stopped. Suppose we killed one. There must be some way. Oh. What would be the use? They wouldn't even punish us. They'd just give us our food through a trap door and put up a sign saying, Beware of the man. Dangerous. I don't think they'll even have to bother in your case. <laughs> I don't see anything funny. I'm sorry. It just reminds me of Martha. Martha? My wife. She died two years ago. I'm... I'm sorry. Well, not at all. It was a pleasure. Uh, that'll be George with my books. Come in. Hello, George. Hello, Walter. Point one. I have brought your books. Mm-hmm. Point one, eh? Uh, what else is on your mind? Another creature sleeps and will not wake. Oh? A small feathered one called a duck. Well, it happens, George. I warned you. Old man death, the grim reaper. I told you about him. Walter, the council of Zan has met. It has been decided logically that a... No life form can withstand the full strength vibrations with which we cleared your planet. Therefore, the Grim Reaper you spoke of does not exist. Pretty neat, George. What's B? B, the only intelligent life to escape the vibrations, is you. Therefore, the logical conclusion is you are stopping these animals by some means unknown to us. George, you are off your trolley. You will tell me now how this is done. You've got me. Yes, we have. It is necessary to save the remaining specimens as long as possible. If we do not get the information, we may be forced to dispense with your species entirely. This means you, Walter, and the female. Now, hold on, George. Don't go off half-cocked. Uh, let me take a look at these animals that won't wake up. I will take you there now. Go first, Walter. After you, my dear George. <laughs> Now, you should have got him in the winter, George. The fur's worth more than its ermine. This is the reptile cage. Mm hmm. Here are the ducks. That is the male. The female has been stopped. Yeah, lucky girl. What's the matter, fellow? Lonely? Hmm? Walter, 
You will tell me how you stopped the female duck. Well, you got me, George. I didn't do it. Maybe she died of the Dutch elm blight. Walter, you are not being logical. We have concluded you are stopping these animals. Tell us now how it is done. I've told you, George. I haven't the foggiest notion. Very well. We will have to take further action. Oh, what are you going to do, George? We will go back now to your room. What happened, Mr. Phelan? Uh, you might call me Walter. After all, George does. And we have more in common. Please, what happened? Oh, just a duck, a dead duck. George thinks I killed her by remote control. He wants me to tell him how. Did you? Look, I'm just an ordinary anthropologist. There's no telling what those animals died of. Just natural causes. But George can't see it that way. He thinks I'm holding out on him. Good. Hmm? What? At least we can get back at them some way. At least we can do something to them. Why? After all, George isn't a bad fellow. If you like an ant mentality. How can you say that? They murdered the whole in the human race. I suppose so, but uh, we can't change that now, so why think about it? We just can't sit here and do nothing. I fail to see how we can do anything else. But at least we could be fighting. I can't see the virtue in that. I was more or less content with my books, and we've got George to talk to. Of all the men in the world they had to pick, don't you want to fight back? Don't you want to keep on fighting to the end? It hadn't occurred to me. But we've got to, Walter. Why? I can't really explain it, but... Walter, if there was any good in man, it was that he kept on struggling against nature and, in the end, even against himself. But he kept on fighting for what he thought was right, and we're all that's left. Walter, we, we just can't end by giving up. We've got to keep on fighting. You know, you do remind me of Martha. There isn't much left for us. We could beat them in this one small thing. We can pretend there's a secret about death. We could refuse to tell them anything. Well, there isn't anything to tell. But they don't know that. Promise me you won't give in. Well, I suppose the worst they can do is kill us. All right, Miss Evans. Hello, George. Hello, Walter. Now you will tell us how these animals are stopped. George, this may come as a shock to you, but I've decided not to tell you. Why? Oh, a romantic attachment to lost causes... My grandfather was a Confederate officer. Walter, you are not being logical. Neither was my grandfather. He charged a Yankee battery with one round of ammunition and a corncob pipe. You are not logical, but that is expected in lower life forms. You will come with me now, Walter. Where are you taking him? To the second level. Go now, Walter. You won't tell them. I can't guarantee anything, but as of now, I don't intend to. We've got to fight, Walter. Remember that. We've got to go out fighting. Yes. Yes, I think you're right. Go now, Walter. Goodbye. It's uh, been a pleasure, Miss Evans. I am waiting. Go now, Walter. After you, my dear George. You will tell us now, Walter. Uh, <laughs> that was the first level of vibration. There are many more. However, we have calculated that none of them exceed your threshold of unconsciousness. Oh, very clever, George. Of course. You will tell us now, how do you stop these animals? You will tell us now? As of now, no. However, I'm not very brave if that encourages you, George. You are not being logical, Walter. You're telling me. We will now use vibration level two. <laughs> Walter, you are still conscious. 
Let me alone, George. You will tell us now. You will tell us now how you stop the animals. Let me alone. Let me alone. We have had vibration levels one and two. There are still 15 more before your threshold of unconsciousness. Oh, no, no. Let me alone. Walter, listen to me. Another creature sleeps and will not wake. We must know now. It's tough. You better start vibrating again, George. No. What? It would not be logical. We have calculated that no further level of vibration will overcome your irrational psychological block. We conclude you will not tell. Let me go. That is correct. That's uh, real nice of you, George. I appreciate it. We have calculated that the resistance of the female of your species will be lower. We will now place her under the vibrations. No, 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 George, George, you can't do that. Listen, George. George, there is no secret. Can you understand that? There is no secret. Those animals died from natural causes. I'm telling you the truth. That is not a logical answer. We will get the woman. I've told you the truth. Can't you understand? We must know now. The female animal cage next to the duck has been stopped. We must preserve the survivor. Uh, The animal... Animal next to the duck? We will bring the woman here. She will tell us after the vibration. No, no, no. no. Listen, George. You want the truth? You want to know how to save the mates of the animals that have been stopped? You will tell us now? Yes, yes, I'll tell you now. I, I give up. But you've got to promise to leave the woman alone. You promise, George? If we receive the answer from you, Walter, there will be no further need for the vibrations. Well, I guess that'll have to do. All right. All right. Take me to that stopped animal. I'll tell you how to save the mate. Very well, Walter. You are being logical now. We will go. Walter, are you all right? Just, uh, just let me catch my breath a minute. What did they do? What happened? After a while, I told them what they wanted to know. Oh, no. As uh, George pointed out, it seemed to be the logical thing at the time. But you promised. I know. It was our last chance to beat them on even one little thing. Perhaps. You mind if I sit down? You gave up. I suppose you could call it that. I'm very tired. They've beaten us completely then. There isn't even anything we can do. The last of the human race and we give up. We don't even die fighting. It isn't that bad. Uh, Something might turn up. What did you call me? Uh, uh, Huh? No, I I must have said Martha. Sorry, she was my wife. She died two years ago. What were you saying? Nothing, nothing. It doesn't matter. It's too late. It's too late for the whole human race. What now, George? The council of the Zan has met. Oh, something wrong, George? A Zan has been stopped. What? A Zan is dead? That is correct. Well, you didn't believe me, George. But you can die. You can really die. You'll have to get used to that if you're going to stay here. The council has decided. A, you have in some way stopped this Zan. B, you and the woman must be eliminated. Walter. No, no, you've got it wrong, George. The council has decided. This time you will have the full vibration. This time? Walter, what did they do to you? Oh, they uh, they have a rather effective third degree. They tortured you, Walter? Yes. And I... I thought... Oh, Walter, it was all my fault. I wouldn't even have tried without you. I suppose we have a last chance now to to end with some dignity. I think you're a very brave man, Walter. No, not very. There isn't much else to do. Do we go now, George? Now, Walter. Wait. Hmm? What's that? I have been told 
Another Zan has died. Now, now will you believe me? The council of the Zan meets now. Two gone already, and you were with me, George. You know I didn't kill this one. What stopped him then? I told you, it's old man death. You came to the wrong planet, George. Your immortality doesn't go down here. He can stop you, but you can't stop him. And you'll all die if you stick around. What now? The council has decided. This is a place of death. We will leave your planet. Leave? You mean you're giving up? It is not safe for the Zan. Oh, Walter, they're leaving. They're really going. Come on, then, George. And uh, don't hurry back. It would not be logical to do so. We are leaving the Earth now. Goodbye, Walter. Goodbye, George. aboard now. So wonderful to feel the sun and the wind again. Yeah, they've closed the hatches. Walter, is it safe for us to be out here? Yes, they're not interested in us any longer. They only want to get away. And I want to see this, Grace. The Zan leaving Earth forever. They're blasting off. There they go. Yes, it's all over now. Well, I suppose we might as well go back in. I I still don't understand. Walter, what made them go? (laughs) I just uh, just told them the facts of life. Of death, you mean? No, no, of life. After all, I thought George was old enough to know. At 7,000 years, he was going to be a pretty big boy. I wish you'd stop joking and tell me what happened. Look out for the step. Well, uh... You remember when the first animals died? The rabbit and the duck? Yeah, and their mates just started to pine and waste away? Yes. Well, that worried the Zan. They wanted to keep the last specimens alive if they could. So, finally, I broke down and told them about affection. Affection? Yes. And then I introduced Donald. Donald? Who's that? Here we are. Grace, meet Donald. Oh, Walter, please. What does affection have to do with it? That's what the Zan wanted to know. I told him it was love that made the world go round. But having lost his mate, Donald would die immediately unless he had affection and constant petting. Petting? Hmm? <laughs> I even showed him how. Here, fella, come on. Give me. I held Donald in my arms, and I petted him a while. Then I let the Zan take over with the animal in the next cage. What animal? Take a look. You mean this cage? Mm-hmm. Watch out. Don't go too close. Walter, it's a rattlesnake. Yeah, yes. Their metabolism made it impossible for them to die of old age, but I had a hunch that they could be poisoned. Well, then it was the snake that killed the two Zan. Mm Mm-hmm. They never even knew what bit them. Then you outwitted them, Walter. Well, I I suppose... I thought you'd just given up. Oh, Walter, I'm so ashamed. You don't have to be. I had given up. I probably wouldn't have fought if you hadn't pushed me. Well, I... Well, we've got a world to plan. A new world, Grace... I know. We'll have to decide which animals to let out of the zoo and which ones it'd be safer to keep in. But first, there's a bigger problem. What's that? The human race. Oh. We've got to make a decision about that. Pretty important one. Yes, but... It's been a nice race, even if nobody won it. Of course, it may go backward for a while until it gets its breath, but we can save the books and all the most important things and get it started ahead once more. No. It's the Garden of Eden all over again. Uh, But Eve, 
You'll have to watch out for that snake. Now, don't. Don't be ridiculous, Walter. No, funny. You even blush like Martha. Only uh, you're stronger than she was. Prettier, too. I, I wish you'd forget about Martha. I think I will, my dear. If you'll give me time. Now, Walter Phelan, you listen to me. If you think for one minute that I... Well, that I we thought could... it would never happen to me again. But it is love that makes the world go round. So, Grace, if you could only... No. I wouldn't marry you if, if you were the last man on earth. But that's exactly what I am. I don't care. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm going out. All right, my dear, but think it over. And please come back. You see, I told you. It wasn't really so horrible, our story. Remember how it goes? The last man on earth sat alone in a room. And then there was a knock on the door. Come in. Come in, Grace, my dear. You see, it wasn't horrible at all. In just a moment, a word about next week's adventure. Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you Knock by Frederick Brown, adapted for radio by Ernest Kinoy. Featured in the cast were Alex Scorby as Walter, Laurie March as Grace, and Louis Van Ruten as the Zan. X-1 was directed by Fred Way and is an NBC Radio Network production. Now, next week. A strange and chilling story from the Bureau of Missing Persons. The story of what occurred when they accidentally intercepted a shortwave message. A cry for help from a missing atomic scientist who told them the fantastic story that he was now the man in the moon. How did it happen? You'll hear next week at X minus one. Stay tuned for The Aldridge Family next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a visit with The Aldridge Family, the creation of playwright Clifford Goldsmith. Henry Eldridge began on Broadway as a minor character in Goldsmith's play What a Life, produced and directed by George Abbott. What a Life ran for 538 performances, and the Broadway cast included Eddie Bracken, Betty Field, and Butterfly McQueen. The actor who brought Henry to life on stage was 20-year-old Ezra Stone, who was billed near the bottom as the 20th actor in the cast. He also was employed as the play's production assistant. And when Rudy Valley saw the play, he asked Goldsmith to adapt it into some sketches for his radio program. 
This was followed in 1938 by a 39-week run of a sketch comedy series on the Kate Smith Hour, with Stone continuing in the role of Henry. The show was a top tens rating hit. Within two years of his birth in 1941, the show carried a 33.4 Crosley rating, landing it solidly alongside Jack Benny and Bob Hope. Earning $3,000 a week, Goldsmith was the highest paid writer in radio, and his show became a prototype for the teen-oriented situation comedies that followed on radio and television, for that matter. So here's the episode entitled The Aldridge Roadside Stand and Hotel. The Aldridge Family is transcribed, written by Clifford Goldsmith. Adults think they have problems, but a teenager also has his share of them. And if he's a typical American boy like Henry Aldridge, it seems there's no end of problems. One bumps right smack into another one, and the search for solutions is always a desperate one. The scene opens in the Aldridge kitchen. The time is afternoon. Now, listen, Homer, let me squeeze the next lemon. Why don't you be getting the sugar out, Henry? I already got it. Come on, it's my turn to run the juicer. Okay. Henry! Yes, Mother? Where are you? Um... Well, I, Homer and I are just sort of here in the kitchen. I thought you promised Homer's father you'd wash his dog. We are washing it, Mother. In the kitchen? Well, no, Mrs. Aldridge. Smoothie stayed outside for the time being. Sure, we just came in for a drink of water. So you're making lemonade. Well, Mother, you know how warm you get chasing a dog. No, I'm afraid I don't. And you'd better finish that dog before Will Brown comes back. Oh, he's over fixing our furnace, Mrs. Aldridge, with Henry's father. We got all the time in the world. Well, Sam, I must say that I am a little warm. Oh, boy, Homer, is that your father already? we better hurry, Henry. Come on out in the kitchen, Will. Let's see what we can find. That sounds good to me. I sure am thirsty. Hello, Father. Hello, boys. You all finished? That's just what we were going to ask you. <laughs> well, I guess I owe you boys 35 cents, huh? 35 cents, Father? Yeah, for washing the dog. Here you are. Well, um, well, well you really don't have to pay us right now, Mr. Brown. Oh, here, take it. How does Smoothie look? Boy, she certainly was a sight. <laughs> I'll say she was. Where is she? Out and back. Uh, here, Smoothie. Father, wouldn't you like some swell lemonade first? Uh, lemonade? Here, you can have my glass, Mr. Brown. And here, Father, you take Homer's glass. I don't want to deprive you, boys. Oh, gosh, Father, it's no deprivacy at all. Well, thank you. Oh. Yeah, that certainly hits the spot, boy. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, Father. Uh, now I'll go out in the back and take a look at Smoothie. Well, first, won't you have another glass of lemonade? Oh, I'd like to see Smoothie. Oh, come on, Will. Let's go in the living room and relax. I'm tired. Well, maybe you're right, Sam. Come to think of it, I'm pretty tired myself. Much obliged for the lemonade, boys. Oh, that's all right, Father. That's the least we could have done for you. Henry, let's hurry up and finish up on Smoothie. Sure. As soon as we make a little lemonade for ourselves. <laughs> Boy, this is some juicer. 
With this 35 cents, Henry, how much do we have? $12. Boy. All we need is $3 more and we'll have enough for a down payment on that car we saw. The only trouble is, Homer, how are we going to get three more dollars? Well, why don't we go into business? What kind of business? Well, something we've had experience in. Like washing dogs. You mean for people? Sure. They're the only ones who have money. Homer, maybe you got something there. You're darn right. It's taken a lot longer to do smoothie than I thought it would. I think we ought to charge 50 cents. Oh, boy, we're all out of lemons, Homer. Only I know what we do have in the icebox. What? And I'd like to try it on the squeezer, too. It's a pineapple. She was. I sure like pineapple. It's already got the bottom cut off. Stand back now while I put it on here. Hang on, Henry. Look, Homer, look what it does to us. Boy, will we have some drink. The only thing is, Henry, will we charge the same price to wash a Great Dane as we do a Fox Terrier? Well, naturally, we'll charge different prices for different sizes. And for thoroughbreds, we'll have to charge a lot extra. Oh, sure. They need a more delicate soap. Homer, do you know what else you ought to squeeze in here? What? Look, in the icebox, here's half a cantaloupe. Why didn't I think of that before? Sure. Now step the motor up first, though, Henry. Here we go, Homer. Henry, look at what you did. Why didn't you jump out of the way? The seeds are all over me. <laughs> oh, don't worry about those, Homer. Hey, here, just take a taste of what we've made here. Well, how is it? Boy, I think we've got something. Mmm. Mm, gee whiz, I'll say we have. How about patenting it? Could we patent a thing like this? Well, sure, why not? It's our own personal formula. Every time anybody wants a glass, will they send us so much money? Whether they like it or not? Sure. How would they know where we live? We'll send them our address. Or maybe we could have our own roadside stand. Let's have a little more of that punch, Henry. Hey, how about a roadside stand? In December, Henry? Come on, Pam. Homer, I thought you said you washed smoothie. Well, we did get her half washed, Father. Well, what's she supposed to do? Finish the job herself? <laughs> well, uh, we didn't think we ought to rush her into it, Mr. Brown. She was so warm by the time we caught her, we thought she ought to cool off first. Well, I'll just take back that 35 cents until she does cool off. Well... Homer? Yes, Father. <laughs> the real reason we haven't finished smoothie is because we had to work out this special drink. Uh, for smoothie? <laughs> Gosh, no, Father, for our roadside stand. What roadside stand? Didn't you know? So we can get enough money to make a down payment on our car. Well, you just forget your roadside stand until next summer. Yeah, but Father, if we don't get a car, Henry and I'll have to walk wherever we go. Good. Suppose you start walking toward that dog. <laughs> yes, Father. Homer, what happened to your face? Cantaloupe seeds. Well, I'll go with you, Homer, and hold her while you wash her. Well, I better haul her, Henry. She's pretty ticklish. <laughs> well, what harm can it do if the boys run a roadside stand? Uh, I don't know, but instinct tells me no. Well, personally, I like their initiative. They ought to be encouraged. Well, I don't think the boys need a car, not in the winter anyhow. Don't be absurd, Will. They'll never actually earn enough to get a car. No, but why take a chance? Hey, let's have some more of this lemonade. Here, Will. Well, we'll both have a lot less trouble on our hands if we let them try their luck, mm -hmm. businessmen. And we'll have still less if we don't. Oh, here's to us. Here's to us. Ooh, this drink. It's okay, Sam. Let the boys have their roadside stand. They won't get any car. Delicious punch, ice cold homemade punch. 
boy. There were a lot of people in that car, too. Timmy, I'm getting colder by the minute. Well, here, have another glass of punch. Could we warm it up a little first? Hey, Homer, maybe that's the trouble. What is? Maybe we should be featuring our hot dogs. Sure, that's an idea. Boy, if everybody is as cold as I am, I'll try it. Get your hot dogs here. Red hot hot dogs. Hot dogs with mustard. Red hot mustard. Maybe they've got a heater in their car. <laughs> hey, here comes another one. Get your hot, hot dogs, dogs here. here. Red, red, red hot, hot, hot dogs here. With mustard. Red hot. Gee whiz, he wouldn't even stop. What time do you think it is, Henry? Oh, it isn't so late. Seems like an awful long time since the sun went down. I'm cold. Well, gee whiz, Homer, we can't quit after investing all our money in this stuff. We got nearly $4 tied up here. Henry, it stands to reason. If we've only sold 25 cents worth since 3 this afternoon, we're never going to sell $4 worth this late. Yeah, but we're paying rent to the guy that owns this stand. We've got to get full use out of it. Now I know why we got it so cheap. <laughs> hey, here comes a car. Refreshments, mister? Hot dogs? Peanut butter sandwiches? Henry, do you suppose our location has anything to do with it? Our location? Well, maybe it isn't good to be on a curb that's on the side of a hill. Who <laughs> get hungry on curbs? Well, the fellow that owns this place couldn't even sell gas. Hey, here comes another car. I'll stop it. Hey, mister, refreshments, sandwiches, hot dogs for a cold day? He's stopping. He's stopping. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Yes, sir. Two quarts of oil. Oil? <laughs> and I'm sorry, but we don't carry oil. What you got those signs up for? Oh, those are from another guy. He went broke. Looks as though you're going to do all right, too. Thanks. How about a delicious drink? Yeah, that sounds good. Nice hot cup of coffee sure would warm me up. We haven't got coffee. What have you got? Ice cold punch. Ice cold punch? On a night like this? It's got pineapple and cantaloupe and strawberry. He didn't even say goodbye. <laughs> Anyhow, he stopped. That's encouraging. Let's drink a little more punch. You drink it. I don't want any more. I'm all goose pimples. You gotta eat something, Homer, to keep up your strength. Henry, maybe we shouldn't have told our folks we wouldn't be home for dinner tonight. Homer, somebody stop. Hey, got any hot dogs? Yes, sir. Let's have five to take out of the car. Yes, sir. Five. Homer, where'd you go? Homer? Yeah, what do you have, Henry? Make it five. Yes, sir. Coming up. Five what? <laughs> Hot dogs. Didn't I tell you, Homer? It was just a case of sticking to it. Oh, uh, will it take very long, Mac? No, sir. You'll have them right away. Homer, which bag are they in? Haven't you got them on the fire? We ate all we cooked. <laughs> but it won't take any time at all, sir. All we have to do is build a fire. Build a fire? <laughs> Homer, go out and find some kindling. Never mind, Mac. I've got to make the coast by Wednesday. <laughs> I know, but wait. How about some peanut butter sandwiches? Or some delicious new punch? Hey, we're farther away from getting our car than we ever were. Well, all I can say, Homer, is I don't like your talking as though what we're doing is a mistake. All I can tell you, Henry, is how things look to me. All right, then, all right. Now I suppose you want to quit. Just when people are beginning to stop. Sure. I'm going home. And I'm taking my share of the hot dogs, too. Okay, Homer, I expected it all the time. What's that? It's a car. Is it a customer? Hello there. What can we do for you? How far is it to the next town? Centerville's in back of you. Yeah, I know. We just came from there. Isn't a room left in town? Joseph, let's drive on. I don't like talking to strange men on the road. Oh, we're not men. 
ourselves. You boys don't have any cabins here, do you? No, sir. Well, I'm not going any further tonight. Would you like to sleep here in our road stand? Does it have heat and running water? Well, no, not exactly. Do you know of any place we could get a room? I'd pay anything in reason. Pay? Would it have to be a hotel? Any place at all, just so long as it has some beds. Well, of course you could stay at my house. We could? They could, Henry? Are there just the two of you? Oh, well, there's my husband here. And our two grandchildren asleep in the back seat. Well, how much do you charge a night? Well... Sleep yet? What is it, Sam? Is Henry in? No, dear, I've been listening for him. Well, he'll be along. Dear, I'm worried to death. They're out there on that main highway all alone, and it's cold. They'll take care of themselves, all right. Well, they didn't even come home for dinner. They probably ate their own hot dogs and enjoyed them. Listen, Sam. Isn't that a car stopping in front of the house? Probably somebody bringing Henry home. Well, it may be my imagination, but it sounds as if there were five or six getting out of that car. Now, Alice, there aren't five or six getting out of it. Henry and Homer are probably unloading the dishes he borrowed. Was that the front door I just heard? I hope so. Either that or the furnace exploding. <laughs> Henry! Henry! What is it, Mother? Be sure to lock the door, dear. I have locked it. And, Father, can I ask something. Not tonight, Henry. It's time to go to bed. But it won't take more than a second. How was business, son? Well, not very good at the beginning, but let me tell you how we ended up. I'm glad you did so well, but not tonight. But, Mother, just let me tell you. Henry, your father and I both want to get to sleep. You don't think you'd be even slightly interested? Please close the door. Yes, Father, but I just want to say that business is very good. Don't get up too early, dear. No, Mother. Mister... Oh, mister, are you down there? How about these suitcases, young man? Just a minute, I'll be right down. My folks seem to have gone to bed. What time do you serve breakfast? <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Just come down any time you like. <laughs> Homer, what are you doing up so early? Father, I've been thinking about something all night. I've got an idea. Roadside stand business? Well, that's sort of what I want to talk to you about. Father, why don't we take in rumors? Yeah, rumors? <laughs> Homer, what would we do with rumors? Let them sleep. There's big money in it. There is? Sure. Henry Aldridge made $5 last night. He took home four guests. He did? And now he's going to charge them 25 cents each for breakfast. Uh, do his folks know about it? Well, not yet, I don't think. Uh, Homer, you don't mean to say that Sam Aldridge is going to wake up this morning and find four strange people in his house. Sure. Won't he be surprised to get all that money? <laughs> oh, this is too good to miss. Hey, Homer. Where are you, Henry? Out on the front porch. Come on out of town with me. What for? Well, before my folks get up, I've got to get some oranges, eggs, and pap. Alone. 
getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Henry and his friend Homer have gone into the roadside stand business. On their first night at work, a party of four came along looking for rooms. And Henry, the complete businessman, took them to his house, only to find his parents had retired. The scene opens in the Aldrich dining room, the time the next morning. Sam! Sam! I'm all ready for breakfast, Alice. Is Henry up? Well, I thought he was down here. He isn't in his room. Oh, I certainly hope he hasn't gone back to his road stand. Now, Alice, stop worrying. There's nothing wrong with Henry having spunk enough to go out and try to earn a little money. Well, I know, Frankly, but... I like to see it, and we ought to do everything we can to encourage it. Well, perhaps you're right, Sam. Dear, what's that car doing out in front? What car? The one with the Illinois license on it. Oh. Apparently the Kilmer's next door having guests. Why don't they park in front of their own house? Well, now sit down and drink your orange juice. I'll go out and get your eggs started. Where's my paper? Right there on the table. Oh, yes. Yes. Sam, listen, isn't that Henry walking around upstairs? It couldn't be. Well, it certainly can't be Mary. She's away, dear. Then you don't hear any footsteps with your imagination. I heard Henry come down half an hour ago. And, Sam, where do you suppose all those things on the kitchen table came from? What things? A dozen oranges, two dozen eggs, and a box of pablum. <laughs> Didn't you order them from the store? Pablum? Of course I didn't. <laughs> well, the grocer probably made a mistake. <laughs> well, yeah. Here's an embarrassing situation some fellow walked into. Uh, did you read about it in the paper? No, what is it? He lives in one of those real estate developments where all the houses look alike. And he came home the other night and went to bed, and when he got up the next morning, he found he'd slept in the wrong house. <laughs> Imagine a thing like that. <laughs> not only that, he slept in the wrong pajamas. Oh? And not only Sam. that... Sam! <laughs> Thank you, dear. Ah, good morning. Is this the dining room in here? <laughs> I beg your pardon? What state are you from? <laughs> what state? Yeah, I'm from Illinois. Name's Jackson. Uh, say, how are the meals here? <laughs> Why, well, I've never heard any complaints. Well, I hope they're better than the beds, that's for sure. How did you sleep last night? Fairly well. You, um, you, uh, uh, know someone here at this house? No, not a soul. We're total strangers here. <laughs> we? How many of you are there? Uh, my wife and myself and two grandchildren. We were going to bring their Aunt Molly, too, but she got sick at the last minute. <laughs> it's her old trouble. The way that woman's ankles swell up. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear it. Say, uh, how do you get service around here? If there's one thing I don't like to do, it's wait. Sam, it is not necessary for you to tap on a glass when you want something. All you have to do is... Good morning, ma'am. Good morning. One order of buckwheat cakes. <laughs> buckwheat cakes? With syrup. And send up two soft-boiled eggs to my wife. Sam. Alice, this gentleman is from Illinois. <laughs> Very nice, I'm sure. Uh, the children are coming down later. Oh, dear. If you'll excuse me, I'll go back to the kitchen. Not a bad looker, that's for sure. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I think so, too. Joseph, are you downstairs? What do you want, Millie? Here, tell them it's took, will you? Why don't you just tip your chair up? Ah, good idea. Uh, when you're through with that newspaper, save it for me, will you? Yes, I will. Alice! Alice! Yes, dear. Alice, are we in the right house? Sam, who is it? Who is that man? Where did you...
you meet him? I don't know any more about him than you do. Personally, I'd say the fellow is lost and doesn't know it. Where is he now? Upstairs. He thinks there are grandchildren up there. Oh, my goodness. And you're sitting there letting an insane man wander around the house without doing anything? What would you suggest I do? Put him out, dear. Oh, that's all there is to it? Perhaps he's suffering from amnesia. You don't have to speak sharply to him. Just lead him gently to the door and tell him to go. The only thing is, supposing he resents it. Well, if you speak to him carefully, he won't. Shh, he's coming back downstairs. You better step into the kitchen. Yes, dear, only be careful, Sam. My griddle cake's here yet. Well, no, they aren't. Uh, frankly, the service here is very poor. If I were you, I'd uh, take my family and try the mansion house downtown. The front door is right out that way. Where can we get a doctor? A doctor? Yeah, for the grandchildren. Oh, yes, the grandchildren. Hey, where in the heck are my griddle cakes? I'll try to get them for you. Yes? Are you calling me? One order of griddle cakes, and when you have time, please call a doctor. A doctor? That's right, a doctor and griddle cakes. That's what Mr. Jackson wants, and we do want to keep him happy. That's for sure. where Henry might have gone when he left the house this morning. No, and if he knows what's good for him, he won't come home. <laughs> Has the doctor come yet? He's upstairs now, and Mr. Jackson is out on the porch. Why don't you ask him what time he's leaving? I did. Sometime before dinner. Until then, we'll simply have to bear with him. Sam, here comes another car. It's stopping right in front of the house. If Henry has sent any more people here... Oh, it's only Will Brown. Oh, if he asks for me, I don't want to see him. We'll never hear the end of this. Uh, good morning. Do the Aldridge's live here? Yes, sir. Only I don't know whether they have any more rooms or not. Open up, Sam. I know you're in there. <laughs> oh, hello, Sam. Just thought I'd come over and see how business is. Uh, well, business is fine, thank you. Mighty nice place you've got. It's all right for a visit, but I wouldn't care to live here. Now, look here, Will. Where do I register? Will, have you seen Henry or Homer? Well, not for the last hour. What were they doing when you did see them? They're talking about going down to the railroad station and meeting the incoming trains. <laughs> What's that? Who can that be? Probably an inquiry about rates. Hello? Yeah? What? No. Absolutely no. Yes, that's right. And if Henry's there, please tell him to come home. Oh, he left some time ago. Oh, very well. Goodbye. Sam, you shouldn't turn in a guest guard like that. This isn't the way to build goodwill. That wasn't a guest, Will. It was Mr. Sparrow. He called about a car the boys are trying to, to buy on time payments. They still want to get that old car? Oh, no, not anymore. Mr. Sparrow says that now they're interested in a station wagon. They need it for their business. Well, why not let them get it, Sam? Didn't you say I like their initiative? They ought to be encouraged. Listen, Will, I've taken quite enough from you. Sam, the doctor wants to see you. He wants to see me? Yes, dear. Oh, you got a doctor. Doctor's staying here, too. <laughs> yeah, don't even speak to Will. You look upset, Alice. What's the matter? I am upset. Do you know what the doctor thinks? The two grandchildren have the measles. Uh, uh, measles? Uh, well, I guess I'll be running along. Will, do you know what that means? We'll be cooped up with that whole family for nearly three weeks. Father, father. Uh, is father here, Mr. Brown? Uh, he's upstairs, Henry. If I were you, I wouldn't go up. He's with a doctor. What's that? Alice? Uh, yes, Sam? The doctor wants to see you next. Oh, dear. What is it now? Gee, Father, I hope nothing's wrong. Did Mr. Sparrow call? He did. Did you tell him he'd vouch for my credit? 
I certainly did not. But, Father, we're making money hand over fist. Henry, do you realize that those guests you brought home may be quarantined here? Oh, boy, at the regular rates? Henry, what is it you want? A credit reference with Mr. Sparrow? Yes, sir. Well, anybody as enterprising as you deserves one. You mean you'll help us, Mr. Brown? I'd be glad to. Well, Brown. Oh, boy. So long, Sam. What harm can I do if we help the boy? Wasn't that what you said, Sam? The doctor says that what the children have is one of two things. Something worse than the measles? No, he says it might just possibly be a strawberry rash. The only trouble is Mrs. Jackson doesn't remember giving the children any strawberries yesterday. Sure, Mother, they had strawberries yesterday. When? In the punch. Well, my goodness, Henry. Is there anything you and Homer didn't put in that punch? <laughs> well, not that I can think of offhand. Oh, then it is a rash, and Sam just think we won't be quarantined. Oh, the house is our own again. Oh, Mr. Aldridge. Yes, Mrs. Jackson? I just wanted to say that if we find it is due to strawberries, we'll be leaving the first thing in the morning. You mean you're staying another... Henry! Yes, Mother? Come out in the kitchen right this minute. Yeah, I'll be right there. Will it take long? Homer and I are supposed to meet the bus from Chicago. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Mr. Aldrich, I want you to know that we're going to tell everybody about your lovely roadhouse. Well, uh, Mr. Jackson, I'm afraid that all of our rooms for tonight are taken. You mean you're all filled up yep. and we can't stay? I can't tell you how disappointed I am, but there's another place in town that I can recommend. The rooms are even more comfortable than ours. Oh, where is it? And as soon as you're packed, I'll show you the way over there. Now, if you'll excuse me, Well, please. that's very nice of you. Operator, get me Santaville 631. Yes, please. I'll go right up and get past. Splendid. Henry, I want to have a talk with you. Sam, are you really going to let Henry buy a station wagon on credit? Over my dead body. Hello, is this the Artcraft Sign Company? I'd like to order a small sign, Rush. It's to read, Rooms for Rent, Tourists Welcome. Got that? Fine. And take it over and stick it on the front lawn of Will Brown's house. <laughs> If you don't want to take in any more rumors, would you at least be willing to let me build some cabins? Where? Out in the yard. Henry, you may not build any cabins in our yard. Gee whiz, Father, with all my ideas for making money, you just discourage me. On the contrary, Henry, I'm going to let you make some money. How, Father? From now on, for every idea you get, I'll pay you one dollar not to use it. <laughs> Family is transcribed is written by Clifford Goldsmith. Henry is played by Bobby Ellis and Homer by Jack Grimes. Mr. and Mrs. Aldridge are House Jameson and Catherine Roth. Your announcer is Dick Dudley. Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with the Aldridge family. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Saint. Followed by Life of Riley. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.